Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Good morning to everyone. My name is Andre. This is my beautiful wife, Nathan. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's our privilege this morning to share with you the word that God has laid on our hearts this morning. And we are really looking forward to it. Um, talking about the ride of our lives and the ride of your life. And we're <laughs> going to look at some examples of other people's rides of their lives. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, and I, um, I think I want to give a few seconds for you to get settled and then um, you know we're going to obviously dive into the word but the bible is filled with accounts of people's stories and of um where where people have have just expressed and jotted down um moments in their lives moments where they were overwhelmed moments where they were super excited um shared victories shared failures and there are so many stories that, that we can relate with. Um, and I think that's something that's encouraging to us um, and why we want to, why we felt to, to share with you um, just a reflection on, on some of the stories in the Bible, whether you identify with Abraham's story or, or, or David's story or um, Deborah's story. There are many different people and we, we can't, talk about everybody's <laughs> but we'll take a moment to to share and I think um, something that's evident is how God met people in their moments how God came and intervened in high moments and in low moments and um, yeah for all of us to identify with okay cool so on the next slide I'm just gonna quickly draw a picture <laughs> I'm so encouraged with the scripture that Marius just shared of, of salvation. And um, when we were talking about this, we often think about the start of our lives or the start of our journeys as um, when we got born. And I, I want to start at a different place. I just want to start here um, at, uh, at salvation. If we can see, yes, at the start, this part. <laughs> as being where we, where we got saved. So let's say that was salvation, where God came and redeemed our lives from destruction, where, where Jesus came and intervened on our behalf. Um, at the start, I, I actually, during worship, just saw a picture of our start actually being the low part of our roller coaster journey. So if you, if you want to, in your mind, just see that the start being being here at the bottom, <laughs> just somewhere, somewhere here. And then the, all of us are headed towards eternity here. And that I think is something that's also super comforting for me to know that our goal remains the same. Our goal and end destination. If we've all started with salvation, then our all of our end goal is eternity. And this whole part in between is the process. This whole part is, is our lives on earth until we reach heaven, until we reach eternity. Um, the part where we... This part. <laughs> that's, that's the purpose part. That's the process part. 
And that's the part where of our lives where we often feel either high or either low or either going in circles as the Israelites did for a few years. And somewhere we end there. And regardless of what the person next to you's journey looks like, regardless of what my journey looks like, what your journey looks like, we all start here and we all end here. And we've often heard in this time that we must just find a new normal. And that, that new normal phrase for me is so overwhelming. And, and God just came to show me, but you've started here and I'm walking with you. And I'm working out everything in this part for your good until you get here. And on your journey, regardless of where you find yourself, that there's no need for us to go back for us to reach this end destination. Regardless of where we find ourselves in the process, all we need to do in this part, if we find ourselves going somewhere unhappy, unyucky, we just need to realign, keep realigning, keep realigning. If we find ourselves here, keep realigning to get here. And I think that's something that, that God has just encouraged me with, that one is our start. He has intervened for all of us. Secondly, eternity is the end goal that remains constant. And this part in the middle is our purpose part and to find purpose in the process. And that maybe the process is the purpose. Yeah. Um, that whole kingdom part, the whole purpose part is our entire lives. It's working out our salvation, becoming more like Jesus, becoming holy, laying down ourselves for God's kingdom. Um, and wherever we're at, it's so encouraging that we don't have to go back. Although sometimes it feels like we almost lost our salvation. <laughs> and we feel like we don't hear God's voice at the moment. What's happening? Um, but we're going to look at Moses' life now um, and some scriptures of God always being there. The only thing we need to do is realign with God, God's plan, and just allow God to lead us. So, as Mason mentioned as well, we could have used a lot of examples. I mean, Moses, David, Joseph, Job, Jesus, the prophets, the disciples, everybody's life goes through ups and downs and goes through a roller coaster. There's nobody, although it looks to some of us that, oh no, that person has a straight line, you know, and it's above the curve. It's just going really well with that person and spiritually growing, no big challenges in their lives. But everybody has challenges. Um, for some of us, it's very practical. For some, it's more emotional. For some, it's spiritual. But all of us, our lives are that we need God, that we come to a place constantly where we realize how much we need God. We can't do it on our own. So um, I want us just to look at Moses and his life. So uh, Moses started, just going to get rid of the annotate. Just, okay. 
But Moses, he was a, he was looking after sheep. Then suddenly a prophet came by, not a prophet, the prophet of Israel came by and anointed him as king, the ruler of the Israelites. So David was quite, ah, yeah, that was David. Sorry, I'm busy with Moses. <laughs> um, I had a couple of examples and I realized I'm going to run out of time. So let's talk about Moses as I mentioned. So Moses was living in the palace. He got found by Pharaoh's daughter. He was basically a prince in the palace. He had the life. But his mom raised him for the first couple of years. And he knew he was an Israelite. So someday he walks around, he sees an Egyptian punishing the Israelite, and he kills the Egyptian. So suddenly he went from being a, basically a prince in Pharaoh's palace to a murderer. And he thought the Israelites would appreciate him helping. But they were just scared as well because this guy is a murderer. So suddenly he had to flee everything he had. And he went into the desert, didn't know where he was going to go. He met some people. He started looking after sheep. Later on, he'd proven himself. He got married. He was part of the family. It went well with his farming. He was quite happy. So we see it went really well with him. And then yeah, he had a load, like some of us do. <laughs> and then started getting better and starting getting more comfortable again in life and prosperous. Next moment, you see a burning bush. And God speaks to him and says, listen here, I want you to go back to that country where people are basically hunting you where you are a murderer, where the Israelites and the Egyptians don't like you and see you as a murderer. I want you to go back there. Just imagine the emotions Moses experienced at that point. Put yourself in his shoes. You know, it's yeah, not a happy place. And then he complains to God to the point where he gets God quite angry. And God said, okay, I'll send Aaron to speak on your behalf. So he didn't just go to being unhappy. He even angered God. I would consider for myself that a pretty low point in my life and a stressful point in my life. So, okay, he goes back, 10 plagues, and all of that happened. Okay, he takes the Israelites. God uses him to take the Israelites out of Egypt. They get to the Red Sea. Everybody is on a high. It's a party. We've been set free. Yes, this is amazing. Oh, here comes the Egyptians. We can't get through the sea. And the wording of the Israelites, they moaned. They said, Moses, did you take us out of Egypt because there weren't enough space for our graves? So that's why you took us out of the land of Egypt so that there's space for us to be buried because the Egyptians are going to kill us now. Just imagine Moses on this high and suddenly... Oh, extreme low again. God opened the Red Sea. They went through other side, extreme high, built the altar, everybody happy. And they're going to the promised land. God promised them, you're going to the promised land. I mean, this is exciting stuff. And then the Israelites 
sinned again. In this scenario, as far as I can see, Moses didn't sin by complaining again to God. It was the Israelites, the people that complained to him, and he had to take it to God. So this extreme high, and suddenly God said, okay, now you're going to walk around for 40 years in the desert. Just imagine if you were Moses, how you felt at that time. I mean, I've goes go through up and downs and stuff happens in my life where I'm pretty negative sometimes. Just imagine how you must have felt. You know, and then he reaches the promised land 40 years later and he sees that. So yeah, just that picture that Mason drew that uh, just showed all the ups and downs and circles and stuff. I just want to mention to you this morning that all of us are going through tough times. Being a Christian is not all about, you know, the prosperity gospel where people say, you just give this and you get all of these blessings. That's awesome. God blesses us. But we're also going through tough times. The whole Bible is full of it. My favorite psalm is Psalm 23 where David writes, you know, verse 4, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And if David writes that, David has some experience in life. He's, he had his ups and downs, you know, and we're going to look at Romans 8, verse 8, 18 to 33 now. And I'm going to read that for us. Um, yeah, this text is just so full of knowledge and wisdom, and we can spend so much time on this. Um, but I'm going to read through it, and then I'm just going to highlight some things for us. So if you would like to read with me, Romans 8, verse 18 to 33, it will be on the screen. I consider that our present sufferings are not comparable to the glory that will be revealed to us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility not by its own will, but because of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until the present time. Not only that, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of as sons, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he cannot really see? But if we hope for what we do not yet see, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans to keep to deep for words. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God works all things together for the good of those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose, for those God foreknew. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he 
would be the firstborn among many brothers, and those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is there to condemn us? For Christ Jesus, who died, and more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God. And he is interceding for us. Yo, you know, just some main ideas that I want to just highlight here. You know, if we start in the first couple of verses, it talks about our sufferings. It talks about the world's sufferings. It talks about groaning, bondage, decay. It talks about us groaning together, groaning inwardly. And then it says, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. It says in verse 28, And we know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. It ends off with talking about Jesus himself sitting at the right hand of God, and he intercedes for us. So what I want us to realize is we're going to go through tough times, you know, and that's okay. God is with us. The Holy Spirit is with us. God, Jesus left and he sent his Holy Spirit. Why? Because we need help. He says the Holy Spirit is a helper. He helps us to have relationship with God, to fulfill God's will, to follow God. And Jesus is there with us. His blood saved us. And he intercedes and leads us as well. So I want to encourage you in this time, you know, uh, I went through a low at some stage and I actually felt guilty because I'm a Christian. I shouldn't feel one day negative, one day positive, one day a little bit depressed without direction. You know, I'm a Christian. I should feel always positive and encouraged because God is with me. And this morning, I just want to say to you, you are going to go through tough times and God provided for you in that tough times as well. You know, by being there himself, by Jesus being there, by the Holy Spirit being there, by people around you to help you through tough times. Some people are going through extreme highs at the moment. Some are going through lows. And we can help each other. We can encourage each other. So, yeah, Mezen's going to share a bit about our story um, quickly as well. Yeah, I think something that really encourages me in... Um in the, in the scriptures is that is to know that us, our present sufferings are not comparable to the glory that is set before us. And um, the same where Jesus speaks um, in Hebrews 12, just of him enduring for, for the joy that was set before him and that he could go through his sufferings and, and be encouraged by the joy that was set before him. And again, in Romans 8, just knowing that our present sufferings are not comparable to the glory that is set before us. For eternity we'll be without suffering. For eternity we'll be with God and, and, and near to him and in awe of him without any pain or sickness or tribulation. Um, we'll be made full. We'll be made whole. 
Um, and that's super encouraging for me. So just to, to give a quick, I'll, I'll try and be quick just with a, a reference of, of our roller coaster and where our journey, what our journey has looked like. Um, I came to salvation in, in 2003 um, and Andre came to salvation in 2004. And our, our lives before that was actually a super low. So filled with destruction, filled with um, disaster um, and brokenness. And then when, when we got saved, for us, it felt like this super high because now God intervened and he, he came to redeem our lives from destruction and we met with him and he started healing our brokenness and started showing us purpose and showing us um, what, what our identities are in him and what it means to be sons and daughters in him. And, and for us, that was such a, such a high. And, and just growing in, in, in the knowledge of Christ and growing in relationship with him, it felt like our, our journey was, our roller coaster was doing like a loop going up, up, up and um, learning about calling and separation and um, really desiring um, to, to be in full-time ministry. And then in 2010, we had the opportunity to um, be part of the ministry training program in Stellenbosch. And um, for, for us, that was like, wow, cool, our time has come, like now, <laughs> this is a super high. We've been separated and all this. And um, we, we quit our jobs and we went to the Cape. And, um, and it turned out to not be so great. <laughs> um, it was really a tough time for us. And, um, yeah, things just didn't work out the way that we wanted to. We were going to support a, a church plant, and, and that didn't work out. And we were so disillusioned with, with ministry and disappointed in leadership and got offended and really hurt. <laughs> and, and that in 2010 was such a low for us. We, we were up here and thought we were just going to go higher and all of a sudden just crashed down. And we, we even were wondering, are we even saved? Do we want to be saved? <laughs> just doubting, doubting our lives and our callings in Christ. And, and though it was such a low year for us, it was such a defining year for us. God came to establish um, our calling and um, God came and made our callings clear to us and God just said, you're called to love, and that's going to look different in every season. And that was such a, a um, cementing moment in our lives. Um, we, were, we were wanting to rebel and run away from God, and we felt overwhelmed by him, his unconditional love and his, his provision. Though we, we were sort of like the Israelites, what is this? <laughs> he brought us here to die. Um, <laughs> God just overwhelmed us with his love in that year. Um, and, and, and we could understand and grasp what unconditional love felt like because it wasn't based in our works and, and what we could do for him. Um, it, was, it was just him coming to love on us in our broken moments. Then in 2011, we came back to Pretoria. Um, Andre started working in a different position. I started working. And, and from this low, our lives sort of, sort of felt like we, we were doing this, like a little bit up, a little bit down, a little bit up, a little bit down. We were in good jobs, and though we were battling with infertility, we really wanted to have more children. So, so like there was this some good, some bad. Um, it was going well in church. We were finding our feet again, and, um, and that was 2012. And then uh, that was 2011. 2012, God gave us a promise that we'd have a son, 
and that he would come in a time of comfort. And he gave us a name, Isaiah. See, you can even cry on Zoom. I don't know. He gave us the name Isaiah. And Andre's parents gave us a, a piece of land and God provided and, and just said that he would, because we're building his house, he would build our house. And, and God just provided finances um, for us to build a house in an estate in other rain. And, and our, our journey started to, to look up. Um, in 2015, um, or 2014, um, we built a house and we, we sold it. And in the same week that we sold it, um, we found out that we were pregnant. And um, after six years of battling infertility, <laughs> I should have had rescue drops or something. <laughs> um, and we bought a massive property um, with two flats. And we're in, I was in a flexible job. And Andre was working back for the church full time. And uh, our journey was was up. It was such a season of comfort, as God had promised that we would have the sun in, in a season of comfort, and um, and that was 2015. And then 2000, and towards the middle of 2015, we felt God calling us to to Utrecht to help support a, a church plant in Utrecht in the Netherlands. And and that for us was again like this massive high, and God saying, sell everything, just take a money belt. Um, go to the Netherlands and we were like, woohoo, yay, like purpose and like we can sell everything for the kingdom and super excited and now we're building God's kingdom and um, like massive high and then, yeah, and God opened doors for us to get special visas to go to the Netherlands that we didn't have jobs there or anything and um, like weird doors were opening. It was really amazing. God really provided. And then we got to the Netherlands and had to start building a relationship with a new couple that we hadn't met before. Um, Darkan and Anunay were amazing, super obedient, super encouraging warriors for Christ. Um, they were the pastors in, in the Netherlands, really a strong couple. And, and learning to, to work with them and learning to submit to the way that they hear God's voice. And now you're in a different country. And oh, it was just we had a lot of admin challenges and where we were expecting our roller coaster to go up again, it felt like it was just coming down. Like, what is, why is this stuff? Planting a church is actually scrubbing toilets and um, that's what it looks like. <laughs> you go and prepare the place and you're praying and there's two or three people that come and you're interceding most of the time. That's what you're doing, getting together to pray. And then preparing a space for people to come. Um, and though it was such a, a year that we felt we're going low and we don't really understand what's happening, our visas can't get renewed and whatever. Um, again, it was such a defining time for us because God just showed us a picture of, of um, railroad tracks and just saying that we must trust him. He also said that we must fall pregnant and we were overwhelmed with that because we were like, Yo, our admin looks a mess and how do we have a baby in a different country? If we come back to South Africa, we won't have a medical aid. 
And the night we decided to be obedient, we fell pregnant with Joshua. God told us that we'll have a son. His name will be Joshua. And Josh, Joshua means um, God delivers, God saves, and just God giving us the promise that he will make a way. And though there was a promise again, it just said we kept going down, 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 down. We had to come back to South Africa because our visas couldn't be renewed. We didn't have any savings left. Um, we had nothing. We had to move back into Polokwane, into my father's um, granny flat, because at least they, we could share spoons and share plates. <laughs> we couldn't buy stuff. And um, Hando started selling gum poles. That was the only work that he could get. And um, he was working 14 hours a day, and I was very pregnant. Um, and then Joshua was born, and it was really a trying time for us. I had to go back working shifts um, as a sister in a um, renal unit doing dialysis. And yeah, that was, that was 2017. It was like going down, going down. It was really an overwhelming time for us. And then at the end of 2017, um, on Sunday, the 12th of November, in the service, um, the church service that morning, I felt God calling me to surrender our children. And God said, you must surrender them, they're mine, whether they live or whether they die, you need to surrender them. And I responded and I surrendered our children. And then on Tuesday, the 14th of November, at four o'clock at work, I felt, yo, it felt so funny, like something bad's going to happen now. And I just prayed like this normal, no weapon formed against us will prosper. Just pray, pray your blood over us, Father, over our family and and I felt okay, and I was like, okay, fine, and finished up working and went home. And that was the, the day that I found Bazile at the bottom of our swimming pool when I got home. And he had drowned, and you all have been journeying, journeying with us. And that was a super low for us. But again, in those moments, God just saying, trust me. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. And we could respond, okay, Jesus, we trust you. And we came to Johannesburg, and you guys all know the story from there. Um, I just want to share again, though it was a, it's been a low time, it's been a defining time, filled with God's promises, filled with promises of restoration, filled with promises of hope. And though we haven't seen the promises yet, not all of them God has provided for us financially. God has provided for us with a community that carries and supports and prays with us, um, that feeds us, that celebrates us, that cries with us. Then at the end of 2019, um, God started stirring in our hearts just the desire for full-time ministry again and God saying that um, we are oaks of righteousness, the planting um, for, the, for the display of his glory. And then at the end of 2019, that promise was fulfilled when we could start working full-time again and, and again, like starting, starting this roller coaster going, going up a little bit again. And... Um, then I just want to reflect quickly the last point on, on this Thursday. Last week, um, we, 
Azal's physio tested positive for COVID and he was here with us because um, he sees Azal every day. Um, and we were fine, 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 which has sort of been the, the, the theme for, for lockdown. You're fine, 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 and then you're really not fine. <laughs> and Thursday afternoon, I sit down there, I just don't feel so lucky, and he just said, just go spend time with the Lord. Take an hour or two, just, I'll look after the kids, just spend time with the Lord. And I, I was like, okay, and I just put worship music on, and I didn't even know what to pray. Um, and then all of a sudden, just, started crying, <laughs> feeling so overwhelmed. With a constant reality of the risk for Azar's life again, and being tired of having to worry about every moment that he could possibly die, he could possibly die, he could possibly die, and that not being an irrational thing, like it's, it's really real. He's, yeah, and um, just knowing that I, I sent a message to Gerda and I think in a, a, few, <laughs> a few minutes so many people were praying and again I was just feeling so low and then after an hour and a half just crying before the Lord and I think God just knew that I needed to cry God just spoke softly to me and he said it just reminded me again of the promise he gave at the beginning of lockdown of Psalm 91. Um, verse 7. It says, A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Then no harm will befall you, and no disaster will come near your tent. And God just said, Remember I said you don't need to worry. Nothing will happen to you. And I was so comforted and encouraged and at peace in that moment. Just knowing again, it was such a low moment, but again, so defining because God came and spoke his comfort um, over me in that moment. So yeah, with the last, with the last um, slide before we end all, I want to encourage you with this. Let the word in your mind be when you find yourself in low moments or find yourself in distracted moments. Let the reminder be to realign. Because by sharing our own stories of God's faithfulness, as I've shared with you, <laughs> we, I remember, his tangible, proven goodness in our own lives. Our stories also encourage those around us towards hope, towards heaven, and towards him. So I want to encourage you that by sharing your story, you want to remember God's goodness in your own life and encourage yourself to remember his goodness. And secondly, you also encourage those around us. And they will share further. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... One of the things God said for this morning is we should share our testimonies with each other. Now, obviously, we don't have a lot of time in the main session, but we're going to go to breakout rooms again. And I want you just, if you're comfortable, to share a testimony of what God has done in your life or your family's life. You know, all of us, even your salvation, whatever the case may be, 
finances, healing, whatever the case may be. If you can just share with people what God has done in your life, who God is, you know, and this power in the words of our testimony, people can oftentimes go into a debate or philological debate about the scripture and the meaning of this and stuff. But our stories, what God has done in our lives, people can't debate. You know, this is our story. This is who God is. This is what God has done. So we're going to break up into our breakout rooms. Um, just before we go, a testimony typically has three or four parts. So it's firstly, how was the situation? How, what was my circumstance at that moment? Then what did Jesus come and do? What did God come and do in that moment? And then what changed? You know, what's the difference after that? And then just remembering that all glory goes to God. It's all about God. That's why we share a new testimony. So don't focus too much on your role in it. <laughs> but just share what God has done in your life. So I'm going to pray for us. Then we're going to go out into our breakout rooms. You can stay there for as long as you like. You can chat, you can share afterwards, you can chaos together, um, pray for each other, encourage each other as you feel the need. If you're finished sharing or if you're uncomfortable sharing, maybe you're welcome to go to the breakout room and just listen, just receive. Um, but I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to go into the breakout rooms. Father, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you that you love us so much, that you give us your word, that you speak to us, that you share with us what is on your heart this morning, Father. And we just want to respond. Father, we want to share who you are, your goodness this morning, Father. Thank you for everything you have done in our lives. Thank you that you are with us every single moment, every single day, that you lead us, you guide us, you carry us. You provide. Um, yeah, Father, we just want to say we love you. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.